0: Hi, I'm Cheryl Prashker, and this is Folk Pod, the podcast where we'll hear from some of the most prolific and talented musicians on the folk scene. Get ready for a deep dive into a life lived through music in the studio, on the road, and now more than ever, online. If we're lucky, they might even play us a tune and help us figure out what folk music is really all about. Before we get started, a little bit of business Folk Pod is a labor of love, and a whole lot of work goes into every episode. I've heard from a lot of you how much you're enjoying it. So we've put a virtual tip jar up on our website, thefolkpod.com. Please consider leaving us a tip to help pay for the real costs that go into creating this series. There are other ways that you can show your appreciation too. Like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platforms. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Folk Pod. And leave us great reviews to help other fans find us. This week's guest is Ellis Delaney, who makes her home in Minnesota. I will second what her website says. She's at once funny and wise, thoughtful and uninhibited, and her captivating voice is matched by her uplifting lyrics. Ellis's performances are transformational. She leaves her audiences better than she finds them, with softened edges and opened hearts. Welcome, Ellis. Oh, thank you so much, Cheryl, for having me. Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? This is what I've been waiting for. This is why I'm doing these things is to get a chance to catch up with some old friends and hear what's going on and share your world with our new audiences. So thank you for taking the time to sit down and chat. And I'm really looking forward to this. Ah, oh, me too. Me too. It's like touring through the airwaves. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Touring through the airwaves. <laughs> well, Ellis and I first met, I think in 2004. Not that you're old enough for that (laughs) As part of the Falcon Ridge Festival's Most Wanted Showcase And then the Most Wanted Tour I was playing with Pat Wichter It was yourself and Red Molly And oh my god did we have fun We had a blast And all I can remember is just falling absolutely madly in love With your music and your spirit Because I don't think I had ever met you before that You had songs that made us laugh And before, before we could stop laughing Your next song would have us crying How do you do that?
1: I don't know, but I tell you what, it certainly feels like our job as songwriters to write about life in that way. And gosh, thank goodness there's enough (laughs) to laugh about. And it's like being willing to also open the heart a little bit to feel that tenderness and cry too. Yeah, I feel like
0: that's really what music has aided me in doing, opening my heart. Well, it's just instantaneous the minute you walk on the stage. I'm not going to keep pouring it on like this, but I don't know. Maybe I will. I don't know. <laughs> People should come and see you live, basically. You had a show the other night, right? Yeah. First show in how long? A year. I mean, it's been over a year, actually.
1: My last show was here in Minneapolis. CD release was on February 14th, you know, Valentine's Day, releasing <laughs> my 2020 record, Ordinary Love.
0: <laughs> basically, you have a new release and you're probably had a bunch of gigs and ready to go on tour, and then it's all shut down. How did you deal with that? Well, it was interesting
1: because as that was happening, we also then had like a little less than a mile away from our house, like nine blocks or something, George Floyd was murdered and Mm -hmm. Minneapolis became very
0: impacted, as did the rest of the world. Right. I can't imagine what it was like to be a few blocks away.
1: Yeah. And so really all of that, it happened around the same time and it just felt like the world was cracking open and it made kind of sense in a way that things would really change. And more than ever, it feels kind of strange for things to be quote unquote, going back to normal because it feels like we're different now and we should be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be the same. And I think we've created something new. And are you nervous a little bit about getting back out on the road? I think I'm cautious because my daughter is 11
1: and she hasn't been vaccinated yet. Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know what is not being told to us if there is anything not being told just in terms of the political pressure to get things moving again. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just cautious by nature when it comes to
0: the health and wellness of my family. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Uh, Of course.
1: I'm kind of like, well, maybe I'll just tour locally so I don't have to go to the Hmm. airport until 2022. And then then really plan some tours in 2022 where I get out of the state.
0: That sounds just perfect. Yeah. Was the George Floyd murder, you know, how did that affect your music? And did you write anything in and around that time? Yeah,
1: I've written several songs, but it's more deepening my commitment and my willingness to just be cracked open around how much our country is hurting and how how many people are hurting because of the pandemic that we seem to forget hmm. which is racism it just really is affecting so many people daily and as a white bodied person the way that i am culturally shaped and influenced it's hard to see sometimes how hmm. the systemic nature of racism it's hard to see it because you know in a way i'm like oh well but i have a good heart when i look at people i see the person but there's so many ways that we're conditioned to see in particular black bodies black and brown bodies as other you know and it's just oh it's so hard to really look at that and to be honest about it and to really see hmm. and know that as much as it's personal as much as i need to take responsibility for it personally and take ownership of that in my own heart and mind just to understand how systemic it is and the conditioning around it. Hmm. So can I not take it so personal? And as Rasma Menakem, who is one of my favorite authors or I guess I should say, one of my favorite healing <laughs> practitioners in this. I don't know how to describe him. He's so wonderful wow. in the way that he is working to help both black bodies and brown bodies and also white bodied people understand how all of this conditioning affects the body and how it's historic. Mm. So anyway, he's got this really great book called My Grandmother's Hands. And it's just a book that I've used as a resource. And I've got a group of folks that we meet and we talk about how we can work with what is in our hearts and minds and how we can kind of uncover some of the deep rooted things. You know, once you process something, then it's not unconscious anymore. You know, it's conscious and you can decide how to act. You can decide how to counter, how to care about what's coming up and it's helpful work. It's healing work, you know, for all the relationships in my life, (laughs) not just the black friends I have, but you know, I just really feel committed more than ever. It's a spiritual practice for me, the anti-racism work that I'm doing. And it's also deeply personal healing work that ties into all the stuff from my history. And in a way it can't help but infuse my music and and infuse how I'm thinking about things. Hmm. Yeah. It was a long-winded answer there, Cheryl. I hope that's okay.
0: (laughs) No, that's all right. Oh, I appreciate. I know we got heavy right off the bat. Obviously, this is Pride Month, and we're celebrating that here on FolkPod. And we had a great chat with Chris Matthews. And I mean, you talk about, as a white person, being responsible for how we act and how we react. react. Did you have any issues growing up being LGBTQ?
1: Well, I mean, no, and not racism. More, Yeah, sure. Okay. Sexism, being female- type person are perceived that way down in Texas. And also kind of being more androgynous female. Like I kind of didn't understand what young people today get to explore and Mm -hmm. think about, which is this whole non-binary world of flowing gender. That wasn't even a concept before. And so I wasn't male, but I'm not really totally female, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just don't want to think about it. (laughs) It just doesn't matter. I'm a person. That's what I am. That seemed to be the most important thing, but growing up in a small town that's weird anyway. And of course, of course. Being queer, I didn't even know what that was or is like, yeah, I have crushes on my female friends, but doesn't everybody. And they're so pretty. <laughs> you know, and the guys are so dumb. And, but you know, I mean,
0: great, but they're just like, dorky. They're dorky. They were dorky. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: was like trying to impress my girlfriends by asking the boys out because they got so impressed. You know what I mean? And it was so easy to do. I was like, sure. You just call them up. Whatever. <laughs> but I didn't want him like holding my hand or anything. That was weird. Yuck. Yeah. Right? It's natural <laughs> who you find affinity for and it's discovering who you feel a fondness for, who you want to care for and who you want to be near and close to. And it's such an intimate part of who a person is And you don't always recognize who you are until Hmm. somebody says, here's a label for it. And I hate labels.
0: Hmm. (laughs) I hate them. I totally agree. Oh, totally agree.
1: I mean, if there was some guy out there that I fell in love with, you know, I wouldn't hold myself back. I mean, now that I'm married, (laughs) I would. I know. (laughs) (laughs) know, But I just don't feel it. That's just not my thing. No. Well, how did you and Terry meet? Okay. Well, we... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hmm. Okay, she would add funny things to the story, but... Oh, I could have invited her on. I know, right? <laughs> She's much better at talking than I am. She and I met through a mutual friend... We had seen each other around in the queer community here in Minneapolis, but we hadn't really officially hung out very much. And a friend of ours, I was roommates with a former roommate of hers. You with me? Yes, yes, yes. And this roommate of mine was really adamant that her cats were like her children. And she was going away for a weekend and Mm -hmm. wanted to make sure that the cats were really cared for and played with and given attention as well as the food bowl and the litter box and all that stuff. Right. And I was in a rock band and playing way late into the evening and sleeping in in the morning and (laughs) usually sound checks happen around dinner. And so it's like, there's a big chunk of time when I'm not in the house, even though we're playing locally and around the area, it's a crazy schedule. And so unbeknownst to me, my roommate had asked me to take care of the cat's, but then also in our two-bedroom apartment had asked Terry to come and stay huh. and didn't tell me. <laughs> so- <laughs> so- And Terry was a graduate student. And so she was like getting up really early in the morning and going to school. And serious. Yeah. yeah. And I would be sleeping in and then getting up and then the food would be changed. The water would be changed. Everything was done. And I thought, wow, this is really weird. Who's doing this? Who did my roommate give the key to? And I wonder what's happening. And I just was like, okay, whatever, you know. And so we did this for several days and it was so crazy. One night, it was a a really intense night for me because it was the first time I had seen my dad in seven years. He had driven up from Texas to spend an evening. It was a night where I didn't have a show and I'm going to hurry this story along just so you know. So hopefully you're staying with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it was an emotional night where I was holding a lot in and trying to be normal as I catch my dad up on the rest of my high school and all of my college and oh, wow. all the things that happened. And he's telling me about the family and all the things that happened. And it's just a really intense... A strange evening. And then I come home and I think I'm by myself. I come into the door and of course it's like all I can do holding it in as long as I have. And so I just kind of burst into tears thinking I'm by myself. And then <laughs> I'm not. There's Terry. You know? <laughs> so wow. we just got real, really fast. Like I couldn't really wow. be my guarded self, even though you know, I can be really open when I meet people. It just it sometimes takes a little while to get really real. And yeah. it just happened right away. And we just became best friends.
0: Oh, I love that story. Yeah. Now you say your early childhood was in Texas. How old were you when you moved to Minneapolis? Well, I was 16. Oh, okay. Yeah. 16 years old. Now, Was there music in school as a kid? How did you pick up the guitar?
1: Well, I actually played piano first. I was writing songs. So when my mom was going to school and learning piano, she had a, a really strict piano teacher who would slap her knuckles with huh, a ruler. Lovely. Oh my God. And so she, yeah, she was really against mm-hmm. me having lessons because she thought if I had piano lessons that I would be ruined, that music would no longer be fun for me. And so hmm. I had this little keyboard and I taught myself how to play melodies and how to, kind of accompany myself a little bit and, you know, wrote poetry. And so then I was writing songs, little, little pieces that I could remember the next day for myself and not really calling it songwriting, right. you know, just calling it the way that I could play piano because my mom wouldn't let me have piano lessons. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy talk. Yeah. She was really adamant. So, Anyway, it was just something that sort of like before you take an art class, you might play around with the materials. You might look at a drawing and try and draw or whatever. I mean, it was just playing by ear. And (laughs) so I had songs and I was playing when I came up to Minnesota, I was playing in the band room and playing my songs. And some of them were instrumental and a lot of them had words and I was singing and People would be listening outside of the band room practice room and really saying, oh, that sounds so good. I got so much positive feedback that I ended up playing at a talent show or something and this Older kid came up to me and was like, Hey, our band needs a backup singer and a keyboardist. Oh, neat. I was like, a band? Oh, yeah. Wow. So I joined this band and turns out they didn't know I didn't know how to read music. (laughs) So they (laughs) taught me some stuff and I ended up trying out some lead singing things and really just couldn't believe how comfortable I felt in front of an audience compared to the way I felt in the rest of my life. Like, It just is an interesting thing to be talking to an audience and looking out and seeing people and feeling so much, I would say love, but really like happiness or like, a yesness. There was something about that experience that just said, I can do this. Like, wow, I like you people and you people like me
0: and we're liking each other right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That explains everything. That's exactly what it's like when you go see an Ellis Delaney concert. Like you just know that you are meant to be up there and that you can hear a pin drop when you're singing a serious song and you can have the room in stitches, the next moment, and you just grab an audience. Like, I've never seen anybody grab an audience like you. No, never. thank you. Wow. That's so cool how that happened. Yeah. Now, did you have anything you were gearing towards thinking you were going to do... As a career, or was music just sort of happen naturally? And
1: yeah, it just happened really gradually. in in the way that I really loved playing, and then I was writing, and then you know, of course, in the band they needed a rhythm guitar player for a few things, and then I huh. realized that the guitar was easier to tote around. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's much right. easier than piano, yeah. yeah. And and like also yeah. it was snugglier. Like the guitar vibrates against your belly. It's like personal whereas the piano's like I am uh-huh. singing to you from afar. And even though there's harmonics and it's magical in a way but it's like in a way otherworldly, the piano kind of has this sacred or something. I don't know. It's a different feeling. And the guitar is like, I'm a good friend. I'm a working animal that's going to be by your side. Kind of like, I'm your pup. (laughs) Do you still play piano on your albums? I usually hire professionals. (laughs) I can do little things, you know, but I play a little bit on my own just for fun. But you should. I don't know. I'm so simple in the way that I play that I like to have folks that can come in with something. Even if it's simple, you can be so simple and yet add that extra ninth or have that feel where you can pull in something that's just Mm -hmm. slightly expanding the chord or expanding the moment in a way that I don't have enough practice to do that. I'd rather play the guitar.
0: Right, right. As a songwriter, obviously you've been writing for a long time and you have a bunch of accolades. Some I knew, some I didn't know. Like 2009, Just Plain Folks, Best Female Singer Songwriter for Break the Spell. Obviously the Most Wanted at Falcon Ridge and at the Sisters Folk Festival. Mm-hmm. You also receive top recognitions at the Telluride Troubadour Song and Rocky Mountain Folk Festival contests. So, you know, you songwriting, How do you go about it? Words first? Music first? Yeah, all of the above. The way that I do it really is like
1: I come up with some words maybe and then I find some chords that I like or maybe I find some chords that I like and come up with some words. I mean, there's sometimes I do a writing process. Like this year, I'm doing a project. Maybe you've heard of it. The Real Women, Real Songs project. And I talked to Carrie in advance. I was like, hey, you know, I love this project so much. And I also just want to clarify, I don't totally identify as woman,
0: (laughs) even though I'm womanish. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I never thought of that. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Real Women, Real Songs, I can't even remember if it's the third, fourth, or even fifth time that this project has gone on. But basically, it's a group of women who have agreed to write one song a week for the entire year and put those out on Facebook and social media. But basically, the Real Women, Real Songs Facebook page is pretty much where you'll find all these amazingly talented women and their songs literally every single day. There's another brand new song from somebody. What day are you on? I'm on Thursday. So when you approached her with that, (laughs) what did you say? Of course,
1: you know, of course I had been a part of the project before feeling a little strange about it, but at the same time, I mean, women can be so much. I've always thought of myself as kind of in the middle anyway, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't have like a word for it. Yeah. You know, non-binary. I've been really thinking of myself more as a they, she person, not somebody who cares. I don't care really. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like I also am trying to understand and kind of care for the whole person. (laughs) I guess. And, you know, show up for my non-binary friends as another person out there. So more than ever, it feels really appropriate for me to own that and to be Hmm. transparent about it. And honest. Yeah. And I didn't want to have this project be something that I was hiding something. So I really wanted to be clear beforehand. And Carrie was so wonderful. Just saying, of course, you know, absolutely. Like, we're not trying to keep people boxed in. It's really about just a way to... It's celebrated. Celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. And have the spirit. And yeah. everybody involved identifies with feminist women, like upbringing and just the idea of what it is to be connected by the conditioning, I guess, too. But I don't know. <laughs> I'm being all awkward and weird right now. but <laughs> No, no,
0: no. It's cool. I have an interesting question. And, you know, maybe this is something that's off limits. And if it is, just tell me and we'll scratch it. But you are mother to a young daughter. And Mm -hmm. what's that experience like? A, how is she doing? And obviously, how has she been doing during the pandemic? And what's it been like to be mom to a young lady? Well,
1: I tell you what, first of all, she's done extraordinarily well in this pandemic, I think in part because she's been introverted. She's just by nature. Mm-hmm. Like she really loves to read. She really loves to write stories and do things on her own as well as connect with friends. And so while it's been really difficult for her friend wise, we've tried to have play dates that are safe and figure that out as we've gone along, but it's definitely been so much better since summer has arrived. Yeah, She has done really well with the online school and then getting to go back to school was really great. And so she's really rolled with this in a way that has been wonderful and it's of course been a challenge for all of us. Don't want to say it hasn't been. Yeah. Oh yeah. But in terms of the gender identity stuff, she's got kids in her elementary school class who identify as they them. There are several kids in her class and her whole school and the teachers and mm. are supportive of these kids figuring out who they are and having gender not be something that is obvious. It's something that they get to own themselves and to understand themselves. Wow. Really beautiful. And I think in a way it's kind of impacted me too. Like, oh, wow. You know, my kid has got a couple of friends now who she calls them they. And when they come over, I refer to them as they. And wow. I think
0: that that has really helped me. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Because <laughs> you know, we didn't have that option. Yeah, we didn't have that. Like, I was a tomboy and was made to feel weird because, I, you know, I wanted to play hockey and baseball and instead of ballet and whatever. Yeah. It's a totally different world. Does she find it easy to talk to you? I
1: have to say, having her other mom being a therapist... <laughs> Right. (laughs) She's the professional. Now that's cheating. Now that's cheating. (laughs) So, I mean, she definitely like will go to Terry with all of her girl stuff. I mean, it's obvious. Like, it's interesting. It's like, I'm the secondary girl. I'm the mama. (laughs) Okay. I'm not the mommy. You know, I'm not the one that she goes to. And, wow. But at the same time, I'm the playmate too. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of play the role of that a lot of times right. dads play. It doesn't always end up that way. Like you were saying, you know, being a tomboy growing up, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean you're not a woman. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. Gosh, we assume so much. I remember there was a guy that was like super butch, like super guy like guys, (laughs) a guy's guy who was like a handyman in my apartment building for years and years. And I thought, of course, he's totally straight. Right. He had his boyfriend with him at one point and it was like his longtime husband. And I was like, What? What? Like that my gay did not go off. <laughs> that was like <laughs> I could have sworn you're polite Mr. Man, Mr. Quiet.
0: Manly man.
1: Totally. Like super buff, but not like totally put together buff. Right. Like not like I am gay buff. Oh, right, like right. not that at all. Like That's
0: interesting. Anyway. You know, tool belts, dirt, like just uh, you know. God. I love it. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about songwriting. How do you write the funny songs Like where do they come from Okay everybody who knows you Loves the coffee song
1: I spend all my money I dress you up for fun I'm not too proud to say I'll go that extra mile I'll cool you down when it's hot I'll heat you up when it's not I'll treat you right Oh you know that you're the one I've tried all kinds of teas I've tried the Yerba Mate It's not the same even when it looks like a latte. We had some time apart, and I was less shaky. But I feel more alive when I've had my cup of coffee. Oh, yes. It's really a brighter me, you know? The whole world looks brighter. It's like I had shades down over my eyes or something, you know, and the the coffee just gently well actually rather suddenly (laughs) opens up you fit my every mood with an uplifting feeling it's like a superhero comes in every cup And when I start to fade you're there to save the day you make me feel like I am stronger than I was I've tried teas I've tried the yerba mate it's not the same even when it looks like a latte we had some time apart and i was less shaky but i feel more alive when i've had two cups
0: of coffee
1: oh yes you know and you know that that second cup has to follow the first one right away because I really don't feel awake enough to enjoy that first cup, you know. So to me, the first one doesn't count. It's just the starter cup, you know. It's just, you know, getting out of bed, you know. Like, Where did that come from? Believe it or not, that was a 36-hour songwriting competition. No kidding. Yeah. And I had like maybe 12 other songwriters. I don't remember exactly how many it was, but a night full of songwriters who had this prompt, one prompt, and that we were all going to share our songs live at this venue, the brand new song. And that was it. We were just going to play the one song. And all of us brought a few fans. So like the place would be filled with all these people, some people who knew who you were, but probably more people who didn't know who you were. And I thought of it as like the open mic from hell. You're playing to people who don't know you and you don't even know the song. (laughs) You only get one. Oh God. And you're also in a competition because somebody would win a trophy. It was crazy. Oh my goodness. I believe in performance opportunities that are pressure intense. Like I think those really help really sharpen a performer. And so, yeah, absolutely. And so okay. I thought of it as a really awesome opportunity to go through hell uh-huh. and maybe sharpen myself a little bit more. <laughs> you know, how can I enjoy this experience and know it's good for me to
0: feel this sick and weird and anxious? Well, I'm pulling songs out f- from a while back, obviously. Yeah. So you'll go from the coffee song, which just has everybody just smiling from ear to ear and laughing. Well, the topic was coffee, right. so that was that was the thing. <laughs> which is your favorite. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did. <laughs> I won the trophy, just in case you were wondering. Of course you did. <laughs> you know, not that I'm still holding on to that, you know. <laughs> No, but I remember you talking about your need for coffee all the time. Yeah, That coffee song was perfect. Well, the most amazing thing about an Ellis Delaney concert is the joy you have performing. I really do. No matter how many times you may play a song, the joy that that song will still bring you or how much you love the way it affects the audience is written all over your entire body. And I think that's what people react to and then you'll get to the serious stuff and like i remember so from back then anyways one of my favorite songs is how would it be Mm, yeah
1: how would it be if everything that you thought you knew was turned upside down opposite from your point of view how would you feel if the ground was really the sky
0: I love that song.
1: Do you still play that? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? The coffee song and how would it be? And there are quite a few songs from that time that I keep in my back pocket and in my set list because they're still so helpful. You know, I write songs to remind myself really, too, of the things I want to remember and the things that I need to remember or the comforting words of care or the hope, like royalty to me for my granny. (coughs) When I was a kid, you'd sit on your throne. song yeah. and then the fact that other people feel it and it reminds them of yeah. their people
0: oh god oh god yeah oh. you were so good at that the one that got us all from that era and i mean i would always look over it and everybody would sort of be teary-eyed but i for some reason <laughs> would be like sobbing uncontrollably i don't know why and since it's my show i can ask this can you tell me everything you can tell me about words you said where did that come from i think i'm gonna let that one be a mystery. You're killing me. You're killing me. (laughs) You are killing me. When we were
1: young, we'd wear our hearts.
0: would listen to it like nonstop. But yeah, every time you played it live, it's your performance that is just as much part of the audience reaction as the words. So again, all you folks out there, I urge you to find Ellis Delaney wherever you can or find her online for now. You've been doing some shows online. Do you think you're going to continue doing that even after all this is over and we can get back out there?
1: I do. I think... Since I have all this gear, (laughs) you know, the one thing about performing this past weekend was really great, you know, and it reminded me, oh, it's so great to perform and not look at myself, you know, (laughs) I mean, so much of this is like, not only is it sounding good, are the levels correct? Because you're like your own sound person all the time. But yeah, also, yeah. how do I look? Am I in the frame? Right. Am I cutting off my yeah. head? Am I backing away or turning a sideways? Or am I looking at the camera yeah. enough? Am I bugging my eyes? Like, that's something I never think about when I'm performing. Are you what? Well, so like, there's this thing that happens to me when I'm trying to see something more, Uh uh I open my eyes and kind of lean forward. (laughs) Like my eyeballs are trying to grab on to the thing I'm trying to see. And when you're looking at a little itty bitty eyeball, that's like everybody in that little itty bitty eyeball, there's like a natural body instinct to like bug my eyes to like, and lean forward to like grab on to all the invisible people I can't see. Wow. Wow. It's exhausting. Well, for sure, but it's also startling for people (laughs) looking. You're like, you know, Ellis, just let us come to you. You don't have to reach out and grab us through your eyeballs. If I just sit back and trust, you're going to see me
0: seeing you, seeing me, seeing you. We're good. Nobody has to reach out and grab energetically. Well, you know what? People ask me, why am I not doing this on video? And that's one of the reasons. But since I have you on audio only, would you sing us a song? Absolutely. Now, this is a song that it relates a lot to what we were talking about,
1: I was thinking about pride month in particular. I don't really have a whole lot of pride songs, but this song is something that came from a prompt this year through the project and the prompt was prom dress. Oh yeah. It was really a tough one to try and figure out. My wife and I have been collaborating a lot lately. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's been official. She's brilliant and she's not quote unquote a songwriter, but she's totally a songwriter. Oh. Who knew? She's just, yeah. So this is a, a song that people are really responding to. So I thought maybe I'd go ahead and play it. It's called Not Everyone Fits. Every day we have to choose one of two boxes. Even before we're born, they ask pink or blue. What side of the store do you shop on? What salon or barber? Will they say your name and the pronouns you use? Oh, yeah. Not everyone fits into a tux or a prom dress. Not everyone has the right box to check that sense you might not understand if you find it easy to choose a restroom without making someone angry what if one size fits all doesn't fit you at all everything is made for bodies smaller than you the doctors all cry exercise or eat less Tying all your troubles to the weight you could lose oh, yeah. oh, Not everyone fits into a tux or a prom dress Not everyone is a mom- you feel fancy what if the way you are is not the right way to be who you love where you live or what you believe you're either not enough or too much the pressure is intense talk is neurodivergent oh not everyone fits into a tux or a prom dress not everyone
0: amazing. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love Thank it. You can relate to it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Cause it's not just about gender, no. right? It's about like everything.
1: We're so uptight. <laughs> <laughs> about like yeah stuff yeah. like what is up? I don't know. I maybe mean, because we're pack animals and we you know we want to belong. If you're going to belong, you have to figure out what you're belonging to and yeah, I get it. It's like a piece of how we're made,
0: but I wish the humanity umbrella was less <laughs> harsh. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Well, and that's why I guess we tend to gravitate towards certain groups. And I think you and I are very blessed to be part of this folk community. Mm. And, you know, we always talk about what does folk music mean? What does folk music mean? It's not just about the music. It's about the community. It's about the people we meet. It's about family, folk family. Yeah, exactly. It's the folk family. It's exactly what I was going to say. And we are blessed. You're my folk family. Yeah. Yeah. You're my folk family. (laughs) Man, are you kidding
1: me? We've actually been on the road together, so we're. I know, you know. Yeah, (laughs) but I mean, when I stay at people's houses, it's like all personal. It's all very so, so personal. Yeah. Who are some of your songwriting idols? Oh gosh, well I tell you what, Patty Larkin's one of my favorite people and writers. Hmm. I love her guitar playing. I love how she uses her guitar to converse with her songs. The way that they interact with each other. Her and her guitar. I love her. In an opposite way, I love John Prine for the way that his lyrics are so compact. He says so much in the first verse, always first couple sentences say so much you drop right Right, into the picture. I mean, I always think of songs as being a landscape or sort of a short
0: movie. I was just gonna say, you do it better than anybody I know. Seriously, I'm not just saying you do. When I listen to an Ellis Delaney song, I see the video, the movie, the storyline, like every one of your songs could be a short movie. And I don't know how you do that. (laughs) It's some kind of talent. That's such a compliment
1: (laughs) because I feel like I'm just starting to get good at it. Maybe I am. I don't know. I feel like I'm growing so much and I'm so excited because the Ordinary Love record that I released last
0: year is my 10th record. Can you tell me a little bit about how the whole record came about, how the song Ordinary Love came about and what it meant to you, obviously pre-pandemic, because that's when you wrote the songs and that's when you released the record. But what were you trying to tell the world with that album?
1: Well, I tell you what, so much of what that album says could be from this past year. So, in that way, hmm. it's been a soundtrack for a lot of folks who love the record and know it and have been able to hear about it. Love, ordinary love. Love, this is the time of our lives. We are watching the tide. I'd rather do oh, love. Ordinary love Sticking it out when the going gets tough I keep coming home to you Love Ordinary love Seeing the best and giving no less Working hard to be good for you I got a feeling things are only getting brighter we are stopping all that shadow box and seeing more light we have made a decision to make our love better every moment is a chance to turn whatever's wrong right we are magic in the making we are making magic happen love Because ordinary love, it's not just to a lover. It's a song that also is talking about intimate love, that kind of love, but also talking about relationship as a broader umbrella. And just this idea that love in a powerful way is very ordinary. It's like, it's ordinary for a child to crawl and then learn to walk. Hmm. But the minute they take their first step or their first couple steps, it's like watching my daughter learn to walk. It was so ordinary. Hmm. And yet... It was extraordinary. Right. I mean, it was like, oh, right. my God, she's walking. You know what I mean? Like, do you see this? Yes, I see this. Do you really? Oh, my God. Where's the camera? No, don't get the camera. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, my God. And she's just giddy with laughter. And then she falls down and sits on her butt. That's True. the thing. It's like birth. I mean, that's really a great example, too. It's like the baby's not here. The baby's here. You know, it's like, ah. But also, I had to say death is that way, too. I mean, I got to be with my granny when she passed and it was the most extraordinary moment of love and letting go. Mm. I could tell. I mean, there was this moment where she looked at me and I could hear her saying because she was she was such a loving, hard ass. Cheryl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I never got oh to my meet her. God. You know, she's such a Texan. I could
1: just see her looking at me and she was just like, "All <laughs> right, Shit it's here. Darn. Just so bummed. And yet at the same time, accepting, you know, looking at me like, yeah, this is the moment. And there was a letting go. And then there's this real sweet, I don't even know. it. It was a strange thing to experience sweetness at the moment of... Accepting? Yeah, exactly. You know, part of it, my spiritual practice, I'm a Buddhist, Hmm. I meditate and practice and listen to Dharma talks and stuff, you know, they're always talking about (laughs) how important it is to really look at death and to understand and really make peace in some way, you know, just to continue to work with the fact that we don't get to be here for very long so that we can really appreciate what's here while we have it. And Mm -hmm. so much of the human experience, it's just like holding on, wanting to hold on and then learning to let go and allow things to be the way they are Hmm. and wanting. Things to be a certain way, and then having to let go because things change.
0: Well, if this last year hasn't taught us that, it's taught us nothing. I mean, yeah, we've had to do that. Have any relationships or friendships or things that might have happened to you in the last year that wouldn't have happened to you had it not been in the middle of a pandemic?
1: Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, we have a, a neighbor couple that are a few doors down, and they have a dog, and their dog and our dog really like each other. And granted, assuming our dogs are straight, (laughs) (laughs) my dog is female and their dog is male, assuming they don't really talk about that stuff, but they are so in love with each other. They're like boyfriend and girlfriend (laughs) dogs. You know what I mean? Like they're just so cute and they just get so excited when they're around each other and they do all sorts of snuggly stuff that they don't do with the other dogs. And so (laughs) we've been able to really cultivate a, a regular every daily relationship with them we wouldn't have yep. if we weren't home every day. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. It's just made the neighborhood very rich. I mean, and you know, I've
0: got a few neighbors like that. Same here. I would never have had that opportunity had I been away as much as I usually was. And wow, fascinating. All right. I have a question I like to ask everybody. Is there a song that surprises you when the audience reacts to it a certain way that you would never have thought it would be that song that would get that reaction? Hmm. Is there one? I suppose, 500 crows.
1: Today, I met 500 crows Crowded in the trees in my front yard On the bare branches They looked like leaves flying around I was amazed It sounded like a crow convention Like something big was going down Argument, or maybe they were singing. So I closed my eyes to better hear the crow chorus to see if I could catch the beauty in their sound. Oh, they were singing out loud, such a clear and pure emotion. I felt moved, not even knowing what they're Music was about heart Love, I am part heartache, I am part joyful child. I am a grown up that's still growing up, and I don't know. Have it figured out To tell you the truth I'm still searching Trying to find that bigger light I want to break free From all this looking I want to learn how to enjoy my life So I close my eyes To better hear your heartbeat I wonder how can I hold on to this feeling Or can I listen to my own heartbeat And hear the music there Mm. I mean, that's a song that I was surprised when I first played it for folks, that so many people. And in particular, people who are very guarded, like there are a lot of uh, men, they seem stoic, you know, seem like I'm holding myself together. I'm the man, I'm Mm -hmm. the guy that she brought me to this folky thing. I'm not going to feel. And that song (laughs) somehow like gets in there. (laughs) They're like wiping a tear, you know? And I'm like, wow. Not to say that they wouldn't wipe a tear at another song, but that's one that comes to mind. And I think wherever you are, Mm. That's another one that people feel their people. Yeah. I mean, all of my songs are about, (laughs) they're all about me, Cheryl. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) no. I mean, I'm thinking of other people. I know. But, you know, I'm also really deeply saying yes to whatever's here to this heart and mind, like trying to really connect with the human experience. And all I have is my own experience, really. I mean, I can guess
0: from where I stand. Right. Of course. Yeah, your songs are real, man. I mean, they're real. Thank you. And you're right. We in the audience can listen to your songs and make them be what they need to be for us. Or we can imagine why you might have written that song or relate to it in our way. But that's what makes your song so special. Might you have another song that you might share with the audience? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, this is perfect because this is
1: a a song that's on Ordinary Love A few years ago, there was a a murder in St. Paul of a man named Philando Castile. I don't know if you heard about or remember that. I do. Yeah, I do remember that. I knew there was stuff I needed to work on in terms of internalized, racialized stuff. You know what I mean? Like I knew there was stuff. But I didn't really understand how deep and how it's different if you're white than if you're black generally For sure. in this world. You know, you experience things very differently. And I didn't quite get that until understanding that interaction, seeing that video. And what I'm trying to say is it affected me in a way that was like, okay, I need to understand this. Around that time was when my wife and I started this group of people getting together to talk about this. And that was before we found the book by Resma Minikam, My Grandmother's Hands. And then that book has really shaped this idea that it's somatic, you know, in the body Hmm. and also that there's so much you can do to care about what's happening from a historical perspective, but then also to take it into action, Hmm. show up and how to care about how hard this is for everybody and to like work from this place of not being able to fix it. Yeah. But I can love and I can be open to trial and error and knowing that relationships are long-term and it's worth it for me to take risks that feel dangerous sometimes if I'm doing it from a place of love and a place of rootedness in my own body. And, but I have to find my body first. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and we live from the head up, you know, in my head. Yeah. It's like I try and I try and solve things. Um, but this song uh, to get, I don't know. It, this is the, a song that, that, really is talking about, you know, just this idea of putting it all down and being really honest about, um, where I am isn't, isn't, you know, as skillful or as wise or as, you know, wholesome, clean, clear as I want to be, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just a person and, um, sometimes to just be a person, right? You know, a person learning, a person making mistakes. Um, So this is called Start Where You Are. Start where you are. Head in your hands. Cotton in your ears Stone in your heart Start where you are Ocean in your eyes Tears are like rain Inside a bigger sky A change coming on. Oh, there is a chance to wake up to what is going on. Start where you are, thinking you know. Fall in on your face, you can see the road. Start where you are, wherever it is. Loving can break your heart, but fear will do you in change coming on there is a chance to wake up to what is going on start where you are where you are, I say to myself, telling the truth is loving, even when it's hell, start where you are, stretch open your mind. That's how we'll come together Or oh, can we come together? There is a change coming on Oh, there is a chance to wake up To what is going on Start where you are.
0: Brilliance. Oh, thank you so much, Ellis. That was beautiful. Mm, You're so welcome. I just love your lyrics and your melodies. Did you write that one with Terry or just you?
1: Yeah, just me. I mean, so much of my work in life is just to remember that I don't know anything. <laughs> 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 I keep wanting to think I have stuff figured out and it just isn't true. You know, we're on a spinning planet in a universe that is just so yeah. mind-bogglingly big and full of mystery. And how the heck are we even here? It's so crazy. Right.
0: It's a whole other podcast. (laughs) Oh my
1: gosh. It's mind blowing. (laughs) Right. And so it's like, yeah, yeah, we have a precious thing here right now. And it's so easy to get caught up in, in the stuff that doesn't really matter. And also in the stuff that ties up the heart. Yeah. It keeps me out of the moment to really be able to appreciate who I'm around, where I am in the moment. I think that's one of the reasons why I love playing shows so much is because it's such a practice for me when I step up on the stage to not only play my songs with as much presence and like this moment is the moment. We'll start where you are. Whenever I play that song, if I'm doing it right, the moment I'm playing the and singing, it's like hmm. I'm... In that moment, it's different than any other moment, even if it's the same song. It's a different audience. It's a different stage. It's a different environment. And it has a different timbre or it has a different texture or it's another moment to say, I love you to whatever that memory is or that emotion is. And hmm. it's like such a practice. And I feel like in my regular life this past year, it's been an opportunity to practice right. how to show up more in my everyday with the people in my life, and
0: how do I do that? It's been an interesting journey this last year to be home all the time, and I kind of like it, and it sounds like you're liking it. And not just that, but that when you will go out, mm-hmm. you'll appreciate it even more. But, I mean, you do. It's written all over your entire body when you perform. And what you just explained is pretty much a master class right there in performance 101, be present in the moment. In a way, it's kind of shocking to have a whole bunch of people looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> No kidding.
1: (laughs) It kind of shocks me into the moment. It's like, oh, here I am. Oh, my gosh.
0: (laughs) I better do something. I better show up for you (laughs) because you're all looking at me quiet and expectant. Oh, man. Something I ask every uh, artist, I have to ask you because I just know this is going to be fun. As I promised Vance Gilbert, I will try not to laugh (laughs) at what you're about to say next. (gasps) But. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, what are you going to say? Give the audience like the most ridiculously funny, silly thing about yourself that they would never imagine in a million years. Oh, gosh.
1: Oh, yeah. This is a funny thing. Okay. Well, I don't know if you'd find it funny. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> I have an electric toothbrush. Okay. I'm not laughing. And when I am using my electric toothbrush, it goes. Eh, and so I go. Eh, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> you do vocal warm ups to your teeth. <laughs> no, I don't even think about it as vocal warm ups. It's more like That's what I'm so know that I have to brush my teeth for this amount of time. I want to do it, and so it's an entertainment. It's like
0: a way to say yes to the. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> I want to know how many people are going to stop listening to this and go get their electric toothbrush and try it out. Everyone has a little bit of a different tone right. cuz my daughter has one and it's like, "Eh." You know, it's like slightly higher and it's fun to do them together. Oh my god. That's the best answer yet. Not that the other answers weren't awesome they were, but I literally have told no one else. It's a secret fact. I love it. Where can everybody find you on the world wide
1: web? Absolutely. You can find me at ellisdelaney.com. You can find me on Spotify. You can find me on Apple Music. Yeah, it's much easier to find me now with my last name, ellisdelaney.com
0: perfect. And please, people go out and find her music, find her shows, bring a friend. You will not be disappointed. I promise, 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 promise. I have just loved this conversation and we could go on. I want to have you You back, you know, to be continued kind of thing. It's just so much to Mm. learn from you. And I've just enjoyed catching up. So thank you so much for being on the show and opening up to the audience. Thank you. Alice Delaney, thank you for being a guest on Folk Pod during Pride Month. It's a real honor and a treat to call you friend and to have spoken with you for the last hour or so. I hope you'll come back, spend some time with us. Thank you. I would love to. Maybe you should have me back and I can interview you. <laughs> Um, no comment
1: (laughs) And then crickets (laughs) Or not
0: (laughs) No, I'm so grateful to be here Thank you, Cheryl You bet All right, folks You've been listening to Folk Pod With your host Cheryl Prasker And our guest Ellis Delaney What
1: if love is A lot of listening A little bit of time not pretending we are caught up in a world of daydreams What if love and what you have is everything.
0: Folkpod is a production of Long Story Short, with me, Cheryl Prashker, your host, producer, and lead schmoozer. And Shauna Boniface, creator, producer, and editor. Like and subscribe to Folk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us five stars on iTunes. It really helps raise our profile for more listeners. Catch us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Folk Pod. Thanks for listening and hope to see you next time.